Hello there and welcome to the Football Outsiders live cast and podcast, live stream and podcast. Both the streaming and the casting are live and on the pod. Hi, it is January 23rd, 2023. I am Aaron Schatz, editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, not joined by Mike Tanier, who uh, is dealing with a family veterinary emergency. So we've got Brian Knowles here to riff on what we were just laughing about was not the most exciting divisional round of all time. No, it's a, a bit of a come down after a really interesting wildcard round. And of course, last year's divisional round, which was the most interesting divisional round of all time. Uh, we had four, three kind of um, not particularly close games and one game that wasn't as close as maybe the score finally uh, indicated. But we'll, we'll get to them. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? We ended up with the right teams for the most part. There were six teams this year that were clearly better than everyone else. And we wanted to make sure that in our final four, we ended up with four of those six teams. And we did. There's no Buffalo and there's no Dallas. But four of the top five teams in DVOA from this season made it to the final four, which is very nice. These are the teams that were really good all year, and these are the teams that are going to decide at the end. So hopefully the conference championships and the Super Bowl will be a lot more exciting than the divisional round was. By um, standard deviation of the regular season DVOA for the Final Four, this is the closest Final Four since 1998. The betting odds are, are hilarious as well right now. If you look at the odds to win the Super Bowl in Vegas, it's basically the Vegas has just shrugged. All four teams are with it, are about at plus two fifty. I think it's two fifty, two sixty, two seventy, two eighty for the four teams. Like somebody's going to win, probably. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we have we have it like we have our, our numbers like the 49ers so much. We have the NFC teams a little bit ahead of the AFC teams, but for the most part, yeah, yeah. Like it's you know the playoff odds we have have the Bengals last, and it has them winning the Super Bowl twenty two percent of the time. Yeah, th- 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 it's going to be very interesting to find out because th- there really isn't a favorite. We, ha- we I have. I was told that massive disrespect for the Bengals. Oh yeah. 22. Which I think the difference between every team is equal and 22%, 25 and 22 yeah. is not a very big difference. Plus, you know, like the, the no, no stat is accurate enough for you to tell between 25 and 24. You know, it's like we're saying they're all about equal. They're all, yeah, very they're all about equal. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, you can ask us questions if you're watching live on Twitch or YouTube. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this weekend's games. Let's go through them, starting with Kansas City 27. That Jacksonville 20, and obviously, look, the big deal here is the Mahomes injury. Yeah. And Kansas City, he gutted it out. They got a good drive out of Chad Henney, and then Mahomes gutted it out in the second half. He moved around a lot less. He didn't throw deep. They abandoned play action, but he made it work, and um, and they won. I mean, over an inferior team. Cincinnati is going to be a tougher out than Jacksonville was, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the world is going to be a live camera pointed at, at um, Patrick Mahomes' ankle for the next seven days. We all know how this is going to work. Uh, they're calling a high ankle sprain. We don't know what grade or severity it is. Only 10% of players return to action, like, with no uh, – the very next week when they suffer a high ankle sprain. Obviously, Mahomes is going to play. He's going to be – you know, he's going to be on all the pancreas. He's going to be out there gutting through it. The, que- the big question for that game is how limited is he going to be? And we just have no way of knowing. Yeah. Uh, I think the big thing, I mean, we'll talk more. We'll do a little bit more previewing later. But 
I think a big thing is so much of this game was taking advantage of how awful the Jaguars are against tight ends. Yeah. And that Mahomes didn't have to throw deep because he had Kelsey short like over and over and over again. Uh, the fourth quarter drive uh, where they scored the touchdown, two passes to Kelsey and then a Kadarius Tony end around and then a six yard pass to Marquez Valdez Scantling. Like he didn't have to throw deep. It was just Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. That's not going to happen against the Bengals. The Bengals are fifth against tight ends in DVOA. They kept moving Kelsey all around to make to uh, all around the formation to do to take advantage of the matchups against anybody. Jacksonville didn't have anyone who could cover Kelsey, whether he was in lines about wide. No, they tried uh, Jenkins. They tried Aluakon. They tried Lloyd. They tried Andre Cisco. They're just a massive talent disparity there. They just couldn't stop him. It was. It, all the t- Titans were, were the big story in all four games, but Kelsey, you know, Kelsey's just on another level by himself, and the Jaguars couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. So, Actually, what were we going to say? I also thought the Jags kind of played conservatively, weirdly conservatively, conservatively, considering they were the underdogs. They only took one deep shot at all in the first half, which was the 50 yard shot to Christian Kirk that he dropped. Like, I was expecting them to open it up more because, you know, it's it's the Chiefs. They're going to score a bajillion million points on you. You have to kind of try to attack them more. And we didn't really see that until the fourth quarter. They also used more Jermichael Hasty than they did Travis Etienne. Yeah, the, 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 I, I'm confused by their entire, like, strategy coming into the game there. Uh, I, I don't think they played that badly, I think, because when you consider the, the talent differential between the two teams, I just was expecting them to play more aggressively. Uh, yeah, Doug Peterson team was going to do that. I think the Jaguars have a lot of promise for the future. I think Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence has a lot of promise for the future. This year, they're not one of the four best teams, no. so it's good that they're not in the conference championships. But. Yeah, yeah, it's a neutral observer. You'd, you'd much rather see the Chiefs get the ankle or not. But everything is about the ankle, and I'm not. A, I'm not going to tell you I'm a medical expert, and we're going to, you know, you and I are going to write the previews for the conference championships, mm-hmm. and. I, you're going to do the NFC. I'll do the AFC, I figure, since you're San Francisco, yeah. which means I get to write about a matchup that may not exist, yeah. which is Cincinnati versus normal Mahomes, right? Yeah. All I can really write about is normal Mahomes because I don't know what Gimpy Mahomes yeah. look like. We only have one half of Gimpy Mahomes that we've seen. Yeah. And, and that's different. That's different. Um, we shot it full of painkillers and he went back out there. Is different from he sat for a week. And right. like he practiced, but like the the sprain swell over the course of the week, and then we shot him full of painkillers and sent him out. Like it's going to be different next Sunday than it was yesterday. Absolutely, and uh, you know, yeah, he's going to be playing. He he probably wouldn't be playing in a regular situation. We would assume. Like how much is he getting out there before he's really ready? How much? How much can he do? What areas of the Chiefs' offense go away because he can't make the stretch plays without hopping on one foot? That was hard to watch, when he, especially when he came in before they took him out, when he was just like hobbling on one leg and hopping just to make the stretch handoffs kind of thing. Yes, it was awful to watch. It was yeah. awful to watch. And I, we'll get to this, yeah. but I, I, I don't know. I'm pessimistic for the Chiefs. Uh, credit to the uh, Chiefs' medical staff for being willing to say, no, we have to take you out, uh, out here and get you looked at here in the playoffs. I credit the Chad Henney for coming in. That 98-yard touchdown drive is the longest touchdown drive in Chiefs playoff history. Uh, you know, I, I think I think overall they handled it about as well as they could. I, You know, five, ten years ago, you might have just seen uh, Mahomes hobbling out there throughout the entire thing without even getting tested and checked. 
So credit to the chiefs and, and the medical staff for, you know, saying, no, we have to actually get this looked. We can't wait till halftime. We have to look at you now. Yep. They had to make sure it wasn't broken. I don't think you wanted him playing on it if it was no. broken. Mahomes wanted to play on it, no matter what it was, but uh, overruled. Uh, Philadelphia 38, New York Giants 7. I didn't write any notes down for this because this was an ass-kicking yeah. that we knew one team was better than the other team. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I you know, I thought the Giants might cover. I thought Giants plus 8.5 was a good pick because of the possibility that it was going to be close. It was never close. This no. was this was an ass-whooping of the highest degree. Philadelphia with 74% DVOA for the game. Um, everything worked. Yeah, uh, 6.1 yards per carry is going to win you most football games. Uh, you know, th- they just kind of cut through the Giants like butter. Um, I got a couple of notes down here. It's one of the sixth time in playoff history where a team was down by at least 28 points and being shut out at halftime. They just the first half was just they just swarmed over them. Third quarter, nothing really happened there, but just for the fir- those first 30 minutes, they just got blown off the field. Yeah, eight Eagles. The pass rush, the Eagles, the receivers, the Eagles, the running game, the Eagles offensive line. You know, listen, I mean, one of the things I said during the game, Dexter Lawrence is really good, but he is emblematic of the fact that one player does not make a defense. They are the worst run defense. He is really good against the run, and they are the worst run defense in the league despite that. Yeah, and, they, and it it really looked like it really looked like that. The Eagles looked like they were over the first fifteen weeks of the season. They were just going through everything works. The, everything they called w- w- was perfect. Uh, I would say they they did respect the Giants' pass rush. Uh, Jalen Hurts had a two point four one seconds time to throw. That's the fastest of his career, and the second and third fastest times of his career were also against the twenty twenty two Giants. This was a strategy. We're going to get the ball out quickly, and then we're just going to win every single matchup. Because once we get the ball out of the pocket, we have no worries. Cincinnati 27, Buffalo 10. The most surprising result of the weekend, not because of who won, because before this game, certainly Mike and I and Kevin Cole on the show on Thursday were like, Buffalo may be number one, but this is the most likely underdog to win. Right, Cincinnati was the best of the underdogs. They were the most likely underdog to win. I did not expect them to win in such dominating fashion. Yeah, it was comfortable. Like credit to the uh, to the three backups on the Buffalo uh, on the Cincinnati offensive line who who they, they look fine. Yeah, this, this I think some of that was the snow. Yep. Pass rushers couldn't get their footing, but I think even accounting for that, you have to give them credit. Playing, especially by the way, run blocking. Carmen was like, Carmen was making some holes in the Joe Mixon. Yeah, Joe Mixon gained two point six yards before contact. Two point that that the Bills didn't do that. The right season, I think they were at like zero point eight or something like that. They 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 there were significant holes there, and And their defense was fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the problems I have with Lou and. Uh, Anarumo and the idea that he's the best defensive coordinator in the league or close to it or is that during the regular season his defenses don't play like that Mm -hmm. like he the overall performance of the Cincinnati defense was like 11th or something like good not you know not like super I did go back and look like they are better against top 10 quarterbacks than they are against everyone else, even after you adjust for opponent. If you look at DVOA, the average pass defense against top 10 passing games is minus 
and their average pass defense against other passing games is plus 6.7. That is a bizarre split. Which is not as big as I expected it to be. But if you look at VOA, right, without the opponent adjustment, then of course they give up more to top 10 quarterbacks than they do to everyone else. They're better. Because everybody does because they're top 10 quarterbacks. But once you adjust for the quarterbacks that they faced, they are better against top 10, relatively better than the rest of the league against top 10 quarterbacks, and relatively worse than the rest of the league against everyone else they play. And I don't quite get it, but here we go. Here's Mahomes. This is a top quarterback. This is a guy that they, I mean, I don't think they shut him down last year, but they shut him down for a half. Right. They didn't shut him down earlier this year. Right. The Cincinnati Kansas City game earlier this year was a three point game where Kansas City missed a 55 yard field goal late. It was not a dominating Cincinnati victory and they did not shut Mahomes down. But they slow him down better than most people do. Yeah, yeah no, no one shuts Patrick Mahomes down. The, the Bengals have managed it better than most other people. It's going to be very interesting to see them, you know, was it the, the fourth time in, in, uh, in two years? Because yeah. it, it's weird that the, they, they seem to have Kansas City's number to a certain extent at the very least. So the, they, they match up against them better than any of their other AFC opponents. Uh, it's weird when you're talking about, oh, the Chiefs having this, this, this hill to climb, this obstacle in their way. So, you know, they're the ones with the, the Super Bowl win recently and everything like that. But yeah, it, yeah it's, the, it's been the uh, it's been their optimal. The Bills, I, I think, are really disappointing. I'm disappointed in the coaching staff. I felt yeah. they were unprepared. Uh, I felt some of the fourth down decisions were really bad. They were some of the so hunting accurate. decisions were really bad. Um, you know, that defense is pretty good. Someone said to me on Twitter, you know, aren't they an elite defense? Why do they keep failing in the Playoffs. Well, they were the fourth best defense this year in a year that had no elite defenses. So they weren't an elite defense because nobody was. And to be but fair, better than this, and this is two straight years against Cincinnati that they have folded. Yes. And to be fair, I mean, Dequan sorry, Jones, not, not Cincinnati last year. It was against Kansas City that they yeah. folded. To be fair, Dequan Jones was out and Jordan Phillips was playing with a torn rotator cuff. They had they had injuries. Uh, but again, they're playing against three backup offensive linemen. You would hope that you know you'd ha- you'd be able to right. dial up enough. And the safety it. was a problem, right? Because yeah. Micah mm-hmm. Hyde is out. That led to Hamlin. Yep. Hamlin yep. was out. That led to Dean Marlowe. Dean Marlowe went out. That led to Jaquan Johnson, I think. I believe that's who but, he went. So yeah. they're on their fourth strong safety of the of the depth chart. That's not good. And and you mentioned you mentioned the fourth down decisions. That was incredibly frustrating when we were in the Discord. Like it was, you know, I, I kept running the numbers. Oh, that's about a two percent win probability loss. That's that pun's about a two percent loss. That's about a two percent loss over and over and over again. I think you could you could justify most of the punts on an individual basis. Like no, no none of the punts was incredibly bad. We saw we saw worse decisions on Sunday. But just over and over and over again, just draining uh, you, the chances by, by punting and kicking field goals. You have Josh Allen. Let him do Josh allen things. You're behind. Let him make a huge play. Jim Steckschulte wants to know, with Buffalo's offensive failures yesterday, how much is play calling an issue and how much is their inconsistent rushing game or something else? I don't know how inconsistent their running game is. They they get runs. You know, they're they're reasonably efficient running the ball when they do they just don't do it as much as other teams yeah they didn't get they didn't get many yards against cincinnati because yeah they, they, they just wasn't part of their strategy uh well, they feel, fell behind also yeah. so the run went away right yeah. i mean it it does feel like 
as compared to the other top five DVOA teams, the Bills are more one-dimensional. See, is is a kind of unfair way to phrase it, but they have their style of playing, and they're going to do that way. Come you know, high hell high water, they're going to they're going to. I mean, I'd have to go back and study it with people who know film better than I do, but it does seem like they kind of are always waiting for Josh Allen to do mm-hmm. Josh Allen things instead of scheming guys open for him. And that works most of the time, except when you question these other teams, which have other gears that they they can go into. You know, like yeah. like the Bengals have all those shot, deep shots they run, but they also got 2.6 yards for contact. The Joe they Mixon. also have guys other than Stephon Diggs are very talented, but very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Davis is very inconsistent, has drop problems. Isaiah McKenzie kills the Patriots, but doesn't seem to appear against anybody else. Cole Beasley yeah. is 97 years old. Yep. Shakir is 16 years old. Exactly. So like the opposite, right? He's yeah. just really young yeah. and raw. Um, it, it feels like I don't say the Bills have a plateau, but the, something they need to add some other gear at some point here. If they want, and the if they problem want to is going down. to be how are they going to yeah. do it? Because Diggs and Allen's cap numbers go way up for 2023. Mm-hmm. This was their best shot. Yeah, the window's not closed. This was this was the one. This was this was one everything was building up to. Uh, you know, with Josh Allen, the window is never going to be closed. But they do have to now try to figure out. Okay, what what's Plan B when this doesn't work? I'll point out, uh, I was bummed to see my preseason Super Bowl pick lose. And I'm bummed to see the number one team in DVOA lose. This has been a long string now where the number one team in DVOA doesn't actually win the Super Bowl very often. That being said, Buffalo was number one, I will point out, in basically every metric out there. Mm -hmm. So Buffalo was number one in simple rating system from PFR. They were tied with Kansas City for number one in PFF's ELO rating. They were number one in ESPN's FPI. They were number two in Pythagorean wins behind San Francisco. They were number two in uh, 538's ELO behind Kansas City. Yeah. But, it, you know, I... I, I give all respect to Cincinnati. This is the randomness is part of what we love about sports. I don't think there was a metric that had Cincinnati as a better team than Buffalo going into that game. But yeah. when you play one game, sometimes one team just outplays and out coaches the other. Yeah. And really out coached them. Yeah. And especially as they keep expanding the playoffs, the odds that the num- the top team in the regular season is going to win a Super Bowl ball drops. Just says that there are more, there are more roadblocks, there are more stumbling blocks along the way. And the bill stumbled. It's a remarkable stat. 42 years we have DVOA numbers. There has never been a year where the top four teams were the final four teams. So close this year. So close. And there has never even been a year where the top two teams in each conference were the final two teams for that conference in both conferences. Right, because obviously yeah. you could have a year where like the top three teams yeah. were all AFC teams, and therefore there's no way that the top four exactly. could be the final four. But there's never been a year like that either. It's just there's always somebody who kind of breaks in to the top four, and this year it's a Cincinnati. That's Even why we they, they really weren't that far away. Yeah, um, San Francisco nineteen, Dallas twelve. Yeah, yeah, this was. One of the best low-scoring games uh, I have ever seen. Incredible defensive performance on both on both sides. This was uh, Dan Quinn and Demeca Ryan's through the kitchen sink at one another, and that they, you know, and that it, it, 
the game, we feel like it was, it's one of the more tense games I think we've ever seen because it's not like the offenses were bad. We were just were waiting for something to happen. It felt like there were all this, this potential there energy. Was, there, was there was a lot of talk about, oh, the pass rush, the pass rush, the Dallas pass rush, the Dallas pass rush. They were really getting to Purdy. But I thought the Dallas coverage was th- there were not 49ers running yeah. free all over the field the way there usually are. There were a couple of plays, like there was a Debo Samuel one at one point where they caught him underneath and he got a bunch of yak. But there were not 49ers receivers running free all over the yard the way there usually were. I thought the Dallas, it wasn't just the pass rush. I thought the Dallas coverage was much better than I expected. It was fantastic. And the Cowboys were getting pressure with four, which allowed them to have all those other players back and took away everything. It's not like Purdy was missing like like wide open guys or anything. There just was nothing there. And yeah, and Purdy hit a couple of passes yeah. where those guys were covered. Like yes. in a way that the week before against Seattle, he couldn't hit covered guys. He was yeah. only hitting guys that were wide open. Like he hit He's some perfect. guys in some smaller windows yesterday. His numbers were were, were, were worse uh, on Sunday than they were the week before. I think he played better against the Cowboys. I think I agree. I think it's very impressive that you know he didn't do much against the pass rush, but he didn't do much against the pass rush negatively either. Only took one sack. Did uh, only took two sacks. Didn't throw any interceptions. Didn't even really throw many balls that could have been intercepted. There was that one tip drill against uh, uh, that bounced off like three players early, but. You know, the Niners fans are so uh, uh, accustomed to, oh, well, Jimmy Garoppolo's going to have two interceptions and we're going to overcome that over the rest of the game. Purdy did not throw away the game. And I think that was that impressed me because I was worried when the Cowboys passed rush, they're going to get three sacks, three interception game. They're just going to, you know, shut down the office entirely and they're going to win comfortably. That was the fear for 49ers fans coming in. And Purdy managed to not make the, make the backbreaking play. Yeah. Uh, Todd Singer says Brett Maher added to the tension. Yes, he did get both field goals. I do wonder if Dallas had pulled that game out, would a Brett Maher have um, have been cut? Because he has. He's made twelve straight field goals. Yeah, and he's got a long distance leg. But that but extra, extra point wide was blocked. That extra point was not going through if it wasn't blocked. That extra point yeah. was going to be shanked by like fifteen yards. That is just mental weirdness. Before the game, he was missing kicks in both directions. And Jerry Jones came down and spoke to him on the field before the, uh, you know, before the before the game started. I have never, ever heard of an owner coming down here to talk to a struggling player of any description, much less the kicker, before a playoff game like that. that it was crazy. Like, I know that Dak Prescott throws some interceptions that are bad. Yes. But the idea that he is the problem with the Cowboys, I think, is something that is said by people who think there are only three good quarterbacks in the world. Like Dak Prescott, yes, the Cowboys Twitter account was criticizing Dak Prescott after the game. Yes, I think that that was they were trying to bring attention to the fact that he he was self-deprecating. Like he himself said after the game that it was his fault. But that first, uh, the first pick was like Michael Gallup just gave up on the route. Like I think it was really only the second pick that was really Prescott doing something crazy stupid. The first pick was a great though, but yeah, usually your receiver is going to come back on that one. And at the very least, it's going to get, you know, he'll turn the defensive back and knock it down kind of thing. Gallup gave up on the play and that's why it was so easy to be intercepted. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I feel like Prescott is, I mean, Prescott is one of the top seven or eight quarterbacks in the league. 
like despite the the picks. Josh Allen, the same thing, right? Despite the picks, he is one of the top seven or eight quarterbacks in the league. He might be the, one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league. We can debate now Burrow versus Allen. Yeah. But um, if Allen is not second, he's third uh, at this point. And yes, he throws some bad picks and uh, Prescott throws some bad picks. But I feel like the criticism, like Prescott is what's making the Cowboys good. He's the best, you know, the best thing about the Cowboys yeah. As good as their defense is, if they didn't have Prescott, Cooper Rush, I'm sorry, no, they're not getting this far. Yeah. Uh, something has to be done about the interceptions, but I think a lot of it is Prescott trying to make something happen with you know, the, the Cowboys have one receiver. L- letting Amari Cooper go was a disastrous decision for the Cowboys. They, they, yeah, they, I mean, Gallup is still good. Gallup is still good. He but. is, but, you know, he Gallup is not going to win by himself. Gallup is Gallup right. is going to be, you know, we're going to get some deep shots to him because, you know, he's going to step through people because everyone's focusing on CD lamb. The lack, the lack of a, of a standout second receiver, you know, someone who can demand, who can, you can scheme up for just for him, even if the top one isn't working that hurt, you know, cause, yeah. cause it, it was all the big, uh, I believe the, there are 20 completions, 10 of them went to lamb and the rest of the team had 61 yards combined receiving. It was just, it was not, Lamb was the only one there, and he, you know, they got the one deep shot to him, and I never felt like, and as a 49ers fan, I was very, it's very tense, but I never felt like the Cowboys were going to win that game. You know, even you know, it was close, even when they took the early lead, I never really felt like Dallas was going to. I never felt like the Niners were in trouble, which is yeah, yeah. yeah I felt pretty good about them. Uh, Patrick Sealy points out Pollard getting hurt mm-hmm. is understated. He was the third option. He's yeah. the third option in the passing game a lot of the time, which I think is true. Uh, it's yeah. interesting he has a broken leg. Yeah. So I wonder what that's going to mean for his free agency. I wonder if Pollard was supposed to be the center on the uh, brilliantly schemed up a final play of the game where uh, where they just bowled yeah. Ezekiel Elliott over and then they tossed it to Kevontae Turpin and the first defender just went, can I say how happy I am about that? There has never been a year with as many of those crazy lateral fumble plays at the end of the game compared to 2022, right? Because I right. have to manually fix those in DVOA, and it's annoying. And there's never been a year with as many of them as this, and I'm so glad this was not another one of them. On that the is other, just selfishness on my part, but I'm just uh, put it out there. On the other side, I really wanted that play to work. I mean, even though I'm rooting for the team, I really wanted that play to work because we would see it forever. It would have been really clever to be like, oh, like they did that so they wouldn't have to have offensive linemen on the field. But as Hitchhiker's Pie points out, they had other offensive linemen on the field. So what was weird? Why not? Okay, not the center, but it's not. Ezekiel Elliott did not snap badly. Yeah. No, no, like, he just got bowled over immediately. He just got bowled over afterwards. But he could have gotten up and participated in the play if – they, the first guy they threw to. What was funniest about that play to me was the first guy they threw to immediately got tackled. And yes. it's like, so much for the laterals, la, la, la. Yeah, the, the, the entire right side of the of the offense didn't move because they were all the ineligible receivers. They, you know, they, they uh, you know, they would have been, it would have been a penalty. If it, so like half the team was just standing there doing nothing. At least have them stand there in front of Dag Prescott, make people go around them to get to the quarterback. Yeah. It's just, but, ugh, man. But I mean, I feel like the people making fun of that play today, 
the odds that 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 any play would have worked there no, were tiny. Yeah. So come on, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, give us it's, comedy it's, at least. It's not. It's not like Dallas was going to win on the Miami miracle. Yeah. The likelihood of that is very tiny. Also, say San Francisco is better tackling than Rob Gronkowski was forty years ago. You know. Yeah. No. If, if um uh, oh, the name just escaped me. But if they had completed that pass, you know, where where the receiver just stepped out of bounds before completing the pass. Then the they had, yeah, yeah Don Schultz had managed to stay in bounds on a play that I think 90% of tight ends managed to stay in bounds on. Then maybe you have something there, but mm-hmm. that, that, that in drivers. Yeah. So the 49ers, the 49ers are way ahead of everyone else in weighted DVOA, mm-hmm. right? They're at like 43% and everyone else is at like 32%. Um. Jim Steckschultz says, how likely was the Niners timeout to dump the idea of sit back and tackle in favor of aggressively attack? I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. It's, I, I think last plays are, they never, they, I shouldn't say they never score. They did once the Miami miracle. They almost never scored. I think it was more like, we just want to make sure we have the, we, we, this is a weird formation. We just want to make sure everyone's standing in the right place for this one. This is this a little right. strange. Don't, don't lose to weird things. So, um, Right now, with the weighted DVOA, let's talk a little about the NFC Championship game. We have San Francisco as the best team, and Philadelphia is the lowest of the remaining teams. Uh, Some of that is the Gardner Minshew games, though. Uh, yeah. If you take out the Gardner Minshew games, they're still the lowest of the remaining teams, but not by as much. Interestingly enough, if you take out the Gardner Minshew game, Philadelphia's passing rating actually goes down. Really? But their running rating goes way up. Yeah, that that, that does not surprise me. Because Jalen Hurts opens things up for the running games, Mm -hmm. right? You have to constantly worry about him running. It opens things up for the running game. Their running game is fantastic. Their weighted rushing without the Minshew games is 30.5%. The 49ers weighted run defense is minus 20.6. So this is strength against strength when Philadelphia runs the ball. Strength against strength with that pass rush against the, the offensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the other side, right? Great pass rush for the Eagles against a strong offensive line for the 49ers, although McGlinchey not, not as strong as Trent Williams. Nope. Um, the, I'm really looking forward to Jalen Hurts versus uh, Warner and Greenlaw in the middle. I think that is that is the most exciting. Yeah, because Hurts was like terrible throwing to the middle last year. Yeah, much better, much better throwing to the middle this year. And then you have to play Warner and you have to play yeah. Warner and Greenlaw. That play where Warner carried the receiver up the seam was amazing. That's why, you know, we say that, you know, don't pay off ball linebackers. You can pay off ball linebackers when they can cover like a cornerback on those yeah. on those deep routes. That was that was astounding. 49ers rookie quarterback against the sack leader. I mean, you know, the thing is there are reasons to believe the Dallas pass rush is better than the Philadelphia pass rush. So it's, it's not, it's not all of a sudden like, okay, now Purdy has to face an even harder pass rush. It's like he has to face another really hard pass rush. They're different. I mean, uh, Dan Quinn gets a lot of his pressure by taking his four guys and moving them all over the place. And they, they challenge Purdy by saying, we're going to give you all these weird looks and you're going to see if you can, you can recognize them before the snap rookie, see what you can do. Eagles just have great pass rushers everywhere, and you have no idea who's going to come. You and know, they constantly cycle them in, right? Exactly. They like they, this, one guy comes out, another guy goes in. Brandon Graham comes out, Hassan Reddick comes in. It's going to be less schematically uh, confusing, I think, for Purdy, but they're just going to have fresh body after fresh body after fresh body coming after him. 
that's gonna be that's gonna be very very interesting. That's you know the Eagles are great. The Eagles are great. The Eagles could absolutely win this game. The Eagles are favored in Vegas. This is a it's gonna be a really exciting. I mean, our number like San Francisco. There has never been a rookie quarterback starting in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's only the fifth or sixth rookie quarterback to even reach this point. This is this is hard. Uh, Sean King, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Mark Sanchez, maybe Dieter Brock if you ignore the CFL existing. But, I don't uh, ignore the CFL. I do yeah. not count Dieter Brock as a rookie. Yeah. So in that case, rookie quarterback to to reach this far. Uh, um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's um, I mean, again, both of these games look really close. Mm-hmm. I just I feel like San Francisco has been so good at everything for the last two or three months. I feel like the the 49ers have we were talking about the Bills having one dimension. The Niners have a lot of different gears because you know against the Cowboys, both Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey didn't have great days. So it was George Kittle who made who made the big plays on the drives that work. They have they have more guys they can turn to when something gets shut down. And the Eagles have struggled a little bit against running backs, and they've struggled a little bit against other wide receivers. So it feels like there there will be options available. At the same time, the Eagles have had like one of the top pass rushes. They're going to challenge Purdy. They're going to Purdy has gotten to this point by not making mistakes under pressure. The Eagles are going to have to make him have to do it again. Yes, and um, and I was going to say something else, and I forget what it was. But it's a really good matchup. It it is the the, the last time uh, Purdy and Jalen Hurts played. It was a really good matchup. They played in 2019 yeah. in college. The other thing I'm going to say is that deep problem that the 49ers have, um, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, one of them has to be covered by Lenoir. Yeah. So if they can keep Hurts upright, he can find Devontae Smith deep. That is going to hurt. It's going to happen. There's there's going to be at least one play that's going to gain like 50 yards to the air because yeah they have those holes deep in the secondary. Do I think the Bears, 99 Aslan asks, do the Bears still miss Robbie good as gold? Yes. Yeah. I, I Somehow I don't think that was the difference in, in the Bears season this year, but uh, yeah. But he's good. He's a good kicker, right? But I mean, the fact is, all you know, the line of good kickers is like, it's like a very shallow line. And then you get to Justin Tucker and then it's, right. he's so much better than the rest of them. Um. So right now, I mean, I would pick the 49ers. I I would t- take the Niners in the points. I am not yet. I have not. I, this is to me. It's it's incredibly close. This game. I think this game is going to be very close. I know. I know. Win very love the 49ers. The Eagles were the best team in the league for the first 15 weeks of the season, and then Hurts got hurt. And I was mm-hmm. I was waiting to see that divisional round. I wanted to see if it looked like you know the September the November Eagles, and they did. They did it against the Giants. So I understand that you, you adjust for the fact that the Giants. We're not a very good team this year, but you know, I want to see how, how healthy Hertz was. Hertz looked mostly healthy. He did avoid some, tried to avoid some big hits in the first quarter where maybe like normally he would try to take those, but he looked mostly good. They look like they are in the form they were when they were the best team in the league in the first half of the season. I'll point out what Eric Eager said on Twitter, which is because of the NFC, what the way it went, with the the Dallas having no Prescott in one game and then no yeah. Hurts in the other game when they played Philly and the fact that these two teams haven't played each other yet and we haven't really seen Philly against a great opponent and the only great opponent we've really seen San Francisco against was Kansas City who killed them yes and Dallas <laughs> last week 
Jalen Hurts has played three different uh, teams in his career with 10 or more wins by the end of the season. One was the 2020 Saints, and they were starting Taysom Hill that game in none of Drew Brees. One was the 2022 Vikings, and we've said enough about the 2022 Vikings for multiple lifetimes. And the third were the Cowboys this year when they had Cooper Rush. And they have not played a team as good as the 49ers in Jalen Hurts' starting career. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah. And Hitchhiker's Pie is right. Yes, technically, Dieter Brock was a first-year quarterback. I don't – Yeah. To me, your first year out of college is your rookie year no matter what you're doing with it. I'm yeah, sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, if you're 31, you're not a rookie. You're a yeah. first-year whatever. You, that's not a rookie. Um, let's talk about the AFC championship preview. I did point out that Cincinnati is fifth against tight ends. And when these teams played in week 13, Kelsey only had four catches for 56 yards. That, you know, the the Bengals match up really well against, because especially since Hill's gone, that, you know, it's, it's very much been uh, Travis Kelsey and here's a smorgasbord of other guys who are going to get good in any particular game because Mahomes is going to find them. If Mahomes is banged up a little bit, that you think he's going to rely on his stars more, and he doesn't have uh, that Tyree Kill as the second uh, deep shot guy. Yeah. I'll also point out that injured Bengals offensive line, there's not going to be snow, yep. I don't think. Then not, not in the forecast. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, it, but uh, the Chiefs' pass rush is only 15th in ESPN's pass rush win rate. It's not, other than Chris Jones, this is not a great pass rush. And Chris Jones will be going up against the healthy members of the offensive mm-hmm. line. Right, the left guard in the center of the healthy guys. Exactly. So I think Burrow will be able to get the ball out fast enough that I I I don't think the offensive line is going to be a huge big deal. Yeah, it's 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 a concern, but I do I think it's a concern they can deal with. I think that's probably the best way 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 to put it. Old Heady four hundred three says I would love to see the Bengals beat the Chiefs. We've seen that. I'd like to point out. I'd like to say officially on the record, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. Because I'm so offended by the Bengals' unbelievably stupid business about the refunds. I know the way football players like to hype themselves up, but that is just so stupid. Like that's just this just in, they sell tickets to all the games a week ahead of time, even the games that aren't gonna happen. That's how it works. It's so stupid. And what's worse is the fans talking about it because i understand the players need to hype themselves up with nonsense but the fans talking about it it's so stupid they could have focused just on you know oh they're making us go to buffalo while they you they adjusted for everyone else they, they could have focused on some actual maybe like legitimate grievances how much we think they matter or not but yeah this was this was an invented story that they they hyper fixated on and yes. like before the game after the game they uh you know they uh they kept ragging out of the folks like you're going to the AFC Championship. It's fine. Yes, that is why I am on the Chiefs. Not not why I think the Chiefs will win. Why I'm rooting for the Chiefs to win because the Bengals are dumbasses. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm rooting for the Bengals because I just like seeing teams that haven't won win things yet. And usually uh, that's usually that's how I feel. But I'm very offended by this business. <laughs> Cincinnati's defense looked elite, says Patrick Seeley. Well, I agree. They did. The problem I have with the Cincinnati defense is why don't they look like that all the time? You know, they're, they're, not, they're not like, you know, just they're not they're not, not, not dogging it against. It's not like we're going to save our good defensive plays for the, for the big games. Very strange. Right. Um, how much will Cincinnati rely on the blitz to get quick pressure on Mahomes with limited mobility or will they rush for and cover? 
So that's an interesting question because normally the rule is you do not blitz Mahomes, but the big reason you don't blitz Mahomes is that he makes things up on the fly. If he can't make things up on the fly, do you now blitz Mahomes? That's an interesting question going into this game. I, th- I think early on they're going to challenge and test it. They're going to they're they're try to see which is how much can you move. So I think we'll see a, 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 a more blitzing than normal in the first couple drives of the first quarter or so until the Bengals may know what Mahomes can do. Again, it's going to be the only thing people talk about all week, but that's like, right. what is Mahomes going to be able to do on a bad ankle? I will say also the Bengals are a very efficient running team, mm-hmm. right? The Chiefs run defense was not as bad as it has been in years past, but they're going to get some yards with Mixon on the ground in this game. With a healthy Mahomes, I think the Chiefs win this by a touchdown and, you know, they, they go to Super Bowl. I don't know. The Bengals match up against them I, so well. I it, I would pick the Bengals. I'm worried enough about the ankle. That is normally yeah. a, an injury that keeps guys out. Yeah. And I'm worried enough about the ankle that I, if you ask me who will I, who I think will win, I think it's close. But I yeah. think the Bengals, the Bengals look better for this game. Uh, I would feel I would be on the other side if it wasn't for the injury. Yeah. Jeremy Clark points out Kansas City does not have anyone outside of Kelsey who can win one-on-one matchups if Cincinnati blitzes. I don't think that's true because some of those one-on-one matchups will be against Eli Allen. They don't have yeah, they don't have anyone maybe talented enough to quote unquote win someone, but Andy Reid's still really good. Andy Reid will find ways to get guys open. Yeah, the Cincinnati corners are not with Noah Wouzier, the Cincinnati corners are not great. Um They'll shoot up his ankle with painkillers, but yeah. the question is how how will it what what you know how uh, swelled up will it be? What happens over the course of a week? What is his mobility like? Yeah, and the I answer guess, to that is we have no idea. Again, the average recovery time for high ankle sprain is four weeks. He's coming back after zero weeks, which is less than four, numerically speaking. Uh, this is you know he in a regular season game he would not be playing next week. I I can almost guarantee that. Yes. He would not be playing if it was a regular season game. Yeah, this, unless it was like the last week of the season and they needed a win to make the playoffs. Exactly. This this he is coming back before he quote unquote should because he's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs need Patrick Mahomes to win football games. So I mean, these are very close games, and I am on, I'm on the two underdog. I think are more likely to win, but it's very close. They're both very close. Hopefully the games themselves will be very close with lead changes and a lot of excitement. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm highly, these are, because we have four of the top five teams in them and these are matchups we would have picked before the playoffs. If we could have picked them, I'm very excited for this. We, there are no, uh, there are no surprise teams here. There are no uh, uh, desperate, like great story teams. These are, these are, Four of the five best teams of football this year. Again, I disagree. Patrick Seeley says the best four teams made it this year. I disagree. I think Buffalo was one of the best four teams in the league. Yeah. But at the very least, four of the best five made it. I mean, I, I know the best that, five made it. That I definitely agree with. Yes. And that's that that is always nice. And that's never that's not a guarantee every season. Yeah. All right. Don't forget to uh, use our sponsors at Underdog Fantasy. If you play Underdog Fantasy with us, you can double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Uh, Best ball for baseball. It is best ball baseball season right now at Underdog Fantasy. But, of course, you can also do pick games for the playoffs. 
picking each player's chances to go higher or lower than projected lines, even in states where traditional prop betting is not available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. You can join the fun at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. Uh, Bills number five. See, look, I think if you had asked people two days ago, are the Buffalo Bills one of the four best teams in the NFL? Everybody would have said yes. yes. For people to say now the Bills were not one of the top four teams in the league this year is some serious 2020 hindsight. Like I said earlier, every metric had them one or two going into the playoffs. Not the quarterback swag metrics. But Joe that's Burrow. why, no, again, I'm sorry, but they are number two in quarterback swag. Yeah. They are number two. Does, do you think Mahomes has more swag than Allen? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I think Allen's got more swag. I mean, Burrow's got the most swag, but I think no, Allen's no. number two in swag. Yeah, yeah, so, that, that seems fair. That seems fair. So I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, but that's why you play the games, right? That's why, like we said, you there's never been a year that the top four teams were the last four teams. That's why you play the game. The streak continues. <laughs> Brian with shades on will soon be an emote on Twitch and <laughs> Discord. Just wait. If, if if the Niners and Bengals beat in the Super Bowl, I will come out. I will come on one of these podcasts and like. We're gonna have you and Rob Lewis. Weintraub on the show. I, I will. I will find some Huey Lewis in the news esque eighties clothes here, and we will do this eighties style Niners Bengals mm-hmm. baby. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, Wednesday, the new show with Kale and Jackson at 1 p.m. Eastern, and then me and Mike, and I'm not sure who else, Thursday, to preview the conference championships. Until then, take care, everyone. Thanks for watching and listening.